been spending too much time with my sons. <laughs> um, for those of you who are unfamiliar, this is uh, Marvel uh, calling us to uh, assemble again like the Avengers you see in the movies. Uh, this, the fall, if you think about it, the fall is a great time of returning back to routines. Many of our friends and our family are gone, and uh, all the, the, tra- the traveling and the trips, they've come to an end. And so now it's sort of back to routine and back to gathering together as a church. Um, and it's, um, it's good to regather as a family, good to regather together to uh, sing, to praise God, also to uh, pray together and to talk together, to encourage each other in faith. I've been reflecting on uh, Ephesians this, this last week, looking at especially why is it so important for us to gather together as a church? I mean, why do we do this? Why is it good? You know, for some, it's obvious. Gathering together as a church has obvious uh, implications, obvious benefits, not only just what we should do, um, but also they feel how it is good for them. But for the others, it's, it's not so obvious. Sometimes you wonder, you know, why do I need to be here? You know, couldn't I just, just the same, have a, a cup of coffee and, and spend time in my, in my favorite chair at home and pray and read the Bible? Isn't that just as good? We need to be addressed as a church. We need to address this and keep talking about it um, why it's important for us to gather, especially in our culture today. Problem, the, one of the problems we face is there's a lot of individualism. Individualism is a huge ideal in our culture right now. We're bombarded with it all day, every day, talking about uh, how great it is and why you should be even more of an individual. Rely on nobody. Be your own person. Do whatever you want to do. Sometimes it even feels easier you know, especially if you have money to do it, you know, if you can afford someone to come and help you with your house, then you don't have to be a good neighbor and, and work together with others. You can just pay someone to come do it for you. Or um, it's hard to be in relationship with people to when you help someone or when you want help from them and then a couple of weeks later they call and say, hey, can you help me with something? And so you, there's obligation, there's responsibility that comes with it as well. So the thing is we also, you know, we tend to form up in smaller groups of people like me. You know, I'm, I'm, the more individual we become, we become, the more we kind of associate with people who are like us, who think like us, who talk like us, who don't really challenge us or help us grow. And so it's difficult for us, for the church, to keep holding together. But that's contrary to what God is calling us to. It's contrary to God's word. As you read through the New Testament, most of it are letters. Most of the New Testament are letters from different church leaders like Paul or Peter or James writing them to churches. And the common theme or one of the common themes throughout all those letters is them saying, stick together. Stick together. And that you need one another. That we need each other, so stick together. I wonder how many of you have ever asked this. Has anybody here ever kind of wondered why do we need to gather together? You know, other than maybe I like it or it's nice. Have any of you ever thought, you know, why, why are we supposed to gather together as a church? Why isn't it optional? Have you ever thought that question or wondered about it? 
No. <laughs> yes, I know you have. <laughs> I know you have. There's been those Sundays when you wake up and you think, man, do I really have to go? You know, some of, some of you I know, some of you are really shy. Some of you, like being in a group of people, is not very comfortable. I know some people who come here, they come just a little bit late so they can come in and quietly sit down. And then as soon as the service is over, they walk out because they, all the people are overwhelming for them. Some of you coming to church and being with people who do things differently and seeing different songs or listening, maybe even listening to me preach can be irritating. There's some people where gathering together is irritating or they don't like the way things are done. Or maybe some of you think, you know, like, ah, do I have to come? I don't, I don't really get much out of this. You know, other than knowing I should go, I don't really feel like I get a lot out of it. And then there's some of you who are here and you love it. You love it. You love connecting with people. You love praising God. But you're still not sure. If someone were to ask you, well, why should you go? You're kind of stumped with that question, other than I like it or I think it's good. You're not sure what to answer when someone says, you know, why do I need to go? Thankfully, we're not the first group. We're not the only group who've asked this question. I mean, it's throughout the New Testament. And the, Paul, especially, keeps calling the church to keep together, stay together, stick together. Most of the letters say this. And um, I think partly because they knew that lone Christians tend to become lukewarm Christians. Lone Christians, people who think, you know, I, I'm not really, I'm not a religious person. I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm just going to do my own thing because it's more, it's easier for me. I just prefer it. It's really hard to stay faithful as a lone Christian. It's possible. Some people do it, but it's really hard. And it's really hard to stay, to keep following Jesus because you can just kind of stick with the things that are appealing to you. And it's hard to be challenged. It's hard to grow when you're just by yourself. So I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 1, and look at it here with me. So this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. Listen to what he says. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it, sorry, as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching 
and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this morning you can tell there's a ton of stuff in this passage. We're going to focus just on the first part, uh, verses 1 to 6. But I just want to point out too that um, this bulletin, so to speak, is actually a sermon guide. So there's a big white section next to the passage here if you want to take notes, anything that's good or helpful. And then on the back, for the rest of the week, there are questions to work through to keep reflecting on this passage. But let's get started. So we're going to just walk through these first few verses together as a church and unpack what Paul is trying to encourage us to. All right? So first thing he says is you need new batteries in your clicker. Yes. Oh, sorry. Can you go one up, Melody? I, I, yeah. There we go. Okay. Maybe I just need to hold on. Sorry. So, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have received. And I've been thinking about this this last week that to remind us again that as we follow Jesus, we are a new creation. There's an imagery in baptism that happens that you, when you are baptized, you go down one person and you come up a new creation. Not only saved and spiritually clean and and your sin made righteous by Christ, but also you are a new creation, a new person. You have a blank slate, so to speak, a new way to live. You go down one person and you come up a citizen of the kingdom of God. You become up an adopted child of God. We are a new creation. Not only does it give us a new identity in terms of who we are, but new responsibility. In terms of uh, the word of God, who we are, but also responsibility to a church family. That this is not just a bunch of other group of, of Christians happen to be gathered with you in the same room. This is your church family. These are our brothers and sisters. We have responsibility to one another. See, the thing is we live in a consumer society, like I've been talking about. You know, our whole society is built on exchange. The fundamental question that drives pretty much every aspect of our society is what's in it for me? I'm happy to devote my money or happy to give my money if I get something in return. I'm okay to devote my time or my volunteer time if I get something in return. Our culture runs on exchange. Our culture treats everything like a consumable, treats every person like a consumer. And it's reinforced in us. I mean, think about like most of our lives. It's reinforced over and over again. I mean, if you watch TV, you realize you're always treated like a consumer with ads and stuff, constantly trying to get you to buy stuff. Or what about when you go to a grocery store? Who here has ever been to a grocery store, accidentally knocked over a pile of flour, and then went back to the back room, grabbed a broom, and swept it up? Or spilt anything, for that matter, right? Nobody. You're a customer. 
You could go down and run your arm along the whole shelf and pull everything off and onto the floor and somebody else cleans it up. You're the customer. Customer's always right. Or what about when you go to a restaurant, right? How many of you here have ever eaten a meal and then got up taking your plate and walked it back to the kitchen and cleaned it? None of us, right? Because you're a customer. You're there. You're a valued customer. You go to eat and then you just wait for the server to come and take it away. The thing is, that's not reality. I mean, it's nice to do when you have extra money and it's, you know, we appreciate it as a customer, but the rest of the world shouldn't work that way. Church, church family shouldn't work that way. And, if we, and everything, when everyone treats us like a customer, it, we can become like spoiled children. We always get what you want. It's never your fault. Everything's about you. I was thinking about like a deluded dictator, you know, when no one ever, nobody ever tells them that they're doing something wrong. If that's how you live life, then you begin to treat everything in life that way. When you treat everything in life as a consumer, and then you show up at church and treat this like a business, it's not right. It's not good. And churches struggle with it all the time. When we bring this consumer mentality into church, all sorts of things go wrong. We start wondering, you know, what am I getting out of this? We come to worship asking, what's in it for me? Hopefully you're hearing that those two are fundamentally opposed. We come to worship on Sunday and our focus is on God. Often people say, you know, how was worship on Sunday? And we immediately say, oh, it was wonderful. I enjoyed it. But it's not about us. Gathering on Sunday is not meant to entertain us. You know, people ask, you know, how was the sermon? Oh, you know, I liked what, I liked what Jason said or I, I didn't like what he said. Or The focus, we can tend to focus on ourselves. We cheat church, our church family, like a consumer. Or sometimes we come, we wonder, you know, I'm not really inspired. You know, I go to church, I, it should inspire me every week. I should walk away every week just ready to do amazing things for Jesus. <laughs> I hope some of you feel that. I hope you feel that a lot. But I'm also okay if you don't. Because it's not the purpose of church. I'm hopeful it's one of the fruit that come out of it, but this place isn't here just for you. I hope for more. I hope for more for us. That we treat this place like a family. That these people around you, they're not just co-consumers. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have responsibility to one another. If the main point, if we come on Sundays and our main question, oftentimes unknowingly, if our main question is what's in it for me, we are missing the point. Gathering together like this, it's not just about us. It's not just about each person individually. It's about the church family. And it's about praising God. About praising him for who he is and what he's done.
The other thing that I realized, so Paul's saying, walk according to the calling which you've been called. This consumer approach to the church, as followers of Jesus, it is beneath you. It is beneath your dignity as children of God to approach the church this way. You are a new creation. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. You are adopted children in the family of God. And to come here and treat this place like a consumer is beneath you. Not only that, but over the long run, if we come as a part of the family, we will grow more in our faith. Not only will we grow more from being committed to this place, but we will receive care as well. I see it when people who come and they kind of come with this place is for them. A lot of times they don't make it here or in any church for that matter because it's just never enough. But when you come here and you contribute and you're looking to bless others, not just be blessed yourself. I mean, it's great when that happens, but when you come looking to contribute, not only do you grow in faith, but in time, you receive tons of care, faithful care, brothers and sisters who would do anything to help you. So treat this place like a family. Treat these people like brothers and sisters in Christ, not like a consumer. Okay. So Paul goes on to say, be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one another in love. See, these things, humility, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, unconditional love, those are not consumer traits. Those are not what consumers do. (laughs) But that's what Paul is calling us to do as a church. These are contributor traits. These are the sort of things that people who contribute to community, these are the sort of things they do. These are family traits. This is what you do as a spiritual family. These are, what, these are the sort of things that people who are on mission together, these are the sort of things people like that do. And I tell you, we are on mission together. That this church has a purpose in this community. I mean, think about the preschool and beyond the bell. Think about the small groups that gather, the hundreds of things that you all do quietly each week without any fanfare to bless our community. This church is on mission here. We have a role to play here. So Paul talks about coming humbly and gently to value others above ourselves, not to be proud and to expect people to wait on us or to always come through for us, but to contribute, to listen, to be gentle, to speak the truth, but to speak the truth in love and to care for each other. And the next one, it says, it says be patient in the NIV. Actually, the Greek word is uh, makrothumios, which means long-suffering. Suffer a long time for each other. I know there's people here in this church family who you may not always get along with or who may even drive you crazy. But suffer a long time for them. I guarantee you it will be worth it. Suffer a long time for them. Don't be short-tempered. Give people lots of chances. 
Remember, if you remember Peter asking Jesus, how many times should I forgive? He says, 70 times 7, which is a Hebrew way of saying, you just keep forgiving. There is no end to it. See, the thing is, when we approach the church like consumers, you're going to end up alone. If you don't have patience to endure, if you don't have patience for people who upset you, or the character to talk with them and work it through, you just leave and you end up alone. I know people who have been a part of this church who aren't here anymore. Something went wrong and they didn't like it, so they don't come. And they're alone. Bearing with one another is good for us. It's good for us individually as people. And it's good for our church because it builds a sort of community where you know you can make mistakes and people will still love you. That's a huge thing in our world. To know that you can come here, you can blow it, you can say things that hurt people, hopefully not on purpose, please not on purpose, but you can make mistakes with people here and we will still care for you. That, takes from long, that comes from long-suffering. That comes from enduring with each other with unconditional love. But if we have the sort of community, if we aren't willing to contribute to it, if we don't cultivate a culture in our church that will bear a long time with each other, the whole thing will fall apart. If this isn't a place where people can come and make, stake, make mistakes, it won't last. We have to stay, we have to stick together. Not only is it good for our church for us to stick together and people who are coming here, but it's also good for us. Over the long run, it's good for us in that, one, it builds character in us. It's really easy to be around people who think like us, talk like us, do the same things as us. That's easy to hang around with people like that. But it's when you, if you want to grow, you hang around people who will say, you know, what you're doing there isn't right. Or, you know, the, the fear you have, Jason, about money isn't really, you shouldn't be afraid of that. You should trust more. We need each other to help us grow. Paul calls us to live according to this new life to be humble and to be gentle, to suffer a long time with each other and to bear with one another in love, unconditional love. Okay, so Paul keeps going. He says all this. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of peace, the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Paul's saying all of this so that we will keep our work on every effort, so that we will work diligently to stick together. See, it takes commitment to keep unity. It takes work to stick together. I mean, sure, if you've got a, a hobby or a group, a hobby group, you know, like say you love, um, say you love to play cards and you've got a group of people who also love to play cards, it's not hard to be in a group with people like that. You all love the same thing. But when you gather together as a large group like this in a church, I know it can be difficult. <laughs> Trust me, I know. <clears throat> but it's worth it to work hard, to stick together, to be a part of a church family. 
So the thing is, I was thinking about the idea of community is a big thing right now, or it's been a big thing for a few years. Everybody talks about community. Oh, we value community. We love community. I can't wait to be in community. I can't wait to do community together. I mean, anybody heard of that sort of stuff? People love community. But what I find is that most people, when they say community, they use the word community, but really what they're talking about is an ideal group. An ideal group of people who look like me, think like me, talk like me, and will not challenge me. That's what a lot of people are talking about when they talk about community. Trouble is, this idea of community or this version of community is a hoax. I mean, one, it doesn't exist. And if it did, how helpful would it be? It's hard to grow. It's hard to think differently when everyone confirms what you're saying. Paul knew what real community was. Just, I mean, if you have a moment or a bit of time, just read through some of his letters, even the short ones. Pretty much in every letter that Paul has written, there is a theme of sticking together. I mean, I think about like Romans, Corinthians especially, even Ephesians. Paul is calling these churches, to, he's saying, stick together, work it out. You guys can't give up on each other. It's interesting because, you know, oftentimes we read these letters like they're dissertations, like they're essays or something. But most of the New Testament is a compilation of letters written from a pastor or a leader to a group of churches or a church. It keeps calling us back to unity. Keep calling us to work through our differences, to address them and grow as followers of Jesus. Unity is the strength of the church. And Paul is calling us this morning to work hard to guard it, to work hard to keep it. I know unity is not always easy, especially in a group like this, where people coming from numerous different backgrounds. I know unity isn't easy. But we're called to it. Unity helps us stay right behind Jesus. We don't go too far to the left or too far to the right. We don't get caught up in, in crazy ideas. Someone like we think, like, oh, I think um, following Jesus means this sort of uh, new, quote-unquote, new and, and kind of weird thing. And then someone from our church says, you know, I don't really think so. Like, let's look at the word of God together and we hold each other faithfully close to Jesus. It's not easy to stay together, but it is worth it. And we're called to it by the word of God. I mean, this morning, this whole, this whole section of scripture right here is calling us to stick together, to work at staying together. It's not an option. <laughs> this is not just like, you know, if you feel like it, work together as a church. This is, you are called to this. As a church, you have to diligently work to stay together. The thing is, the more we give to it, the more we contribute, the more we will get in the community. The more we stay together, we start realizing that not only do we uh, have to contribute to the community, but we'll start realizing that we actually enjoy it. That there's joy that comes from contributing to something bigger than yourself. Pretty soon you'll love giving. And you'll realize that you're not just a consumer here, you're not just coming because you like the sermons or you like the music, but actually you feel like you're a part of the family here. 
and that when the chips are down, this church family will be there for you. Paul is calling us to stick together. And he punctuates it with this last bit. He says, Paul says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is all, who's in, is over all, through all, and in all. We are part of one faith. We are a part of one church. And that's what Paul is calling us to. We're not called to be consumers, to treat this place, to come just because we like what's going on, but rather committed. Committed to contributing to this place, to this family of God, to the ministry and to what God is doing here. We need to hear this because we live in a culture that will keep telling us, no, 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 you're an individual. Do your own thing. You're a consumer. We want you to base your whole life on what you get out of it. That's not what the scriptures say. That's not what Christ calls us to. He calls us to be a community that contributes to one another. To come not as consumers, but as family. So here's what I want. I want from us to um, begin or to make this commitment for the next three months for September, October, and November to commit to gathering together here as a church. For some of you, that will be easy. You're here every Sunday already. For some of you, that might be a challenge and a new thing. But I want you to commit to being here every Sunday. And I, grant, I know like there's things coming up. There's one Sunday in September where I will be away. We'll be in Calgary for the pastor's spouse retreat. So I know that things come up. I'm speaking more to those Sundays when you're like, oh, I'm kind of on the fence. Oh, I guess I won't go. Those are the Sundays I'm talking about. That we as a church make it a priority to be here. To encourage each other to be here for one another and to strengthen this family. Not only that, but to grow personally ourselves. Because you can imagine what it might be like. Those of you who are a part of this church, you know kind of what this place can be like. But even this morning, like right at 9.30, there was about half the number of people who were normally here. You can imagine what that's like if you're new or visiting. And you come into a place and there's way more empty seats than full. And you start thinking, what's wrong with this place? What have I done? How do I sneak out? But if we gather here, then people come and maybe they think, you know, there's something to this place. God is doing something here. So not only for us, not only for the sake of our church family, but also for people who are new, who are terrified to walk through the doors. And they come here and they see all of your faces looking at them smiling. Trust me, that feels way different than walking in and seeing just a few people sitting in mostly empty seats. That's terrifying. So I am asking you to make this commitment for September, October, and November. Commit to coming here. And if you're visiting this morning and you're, and you're just visiting, you know, and I know that some of you live in other, uh, other places, um, 
Make a commitment to go to the church where you belong over the next few months. Make a commitment, because I know that you will, one, feel more connected to the people there. I guarantee you. <laughs> you will make, you'll be more connected to the people. You'll be more connected to the ministries, to the things that the church is involved in and doing. You might even find yourself joining into something. Not only that, but you will feel more connected to God. You will feel more connected to him gathering together with a church family, hearing the word of God spoken again and praying and praising. Even if, like, even if one of those things doesn't work, maybe you're like, you know, I don't get anything out of sermons, but coming and singing, you will be more connected to God than if you were to take, than if you were to miss Sundays. So this is what I want us to do. Commit. For the next September, October, November, commit to coming here gathering together Sunday morning to praise God. Imagine what that could be like. Imagine how that could change things here. Just for a moment, think about it. About you being more connected with each other. I know some of you are already great friends, but some of you still feel like you're kind of on the outside. I guarantee you, if you come if you make a point of coming over the next three months, over September, October, and November, you will feel more connected here. Imagine what that could mean, too, for the ministries that God is doing here. So these ministries, like things like Beyond the Bell, things like preschools, things like kids coming to the garden, those ministries cease to be things that you kind of hear about in announcements, and they become something that you are involved in, something that you're praying for something that you care about. I guarantee that if you come for September, October, and November, you will be more involved in ministries. Maybe not like showing up at Beyond the Bell, for example, but you will know what's going on and you will be praying. And God will do amazing things through that. And I guarantee you that if you come, you will feel more connected to God. Which is really like the main point, the biggest thing that if you will make a commitment to come here each Sunday, you will be more connected to the living God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what I want for us this morning. This morning I hear Paul calling the church, I hear him calling the church in Ephesus, I hear him calling us to walk worthy of the call that you've been called to. You are a new creation. You are not consumers. You are the people of God. And I hear him to call, calling us to walk humbly and gently, suffering a long time with each other and bearing with one another in love so that we would work diligently, that we would work hard to protect the unity of this church. Not only for our sake, but for the sake of people here and for the sake of people who will be coming. And we do that by showing up. <laughs> it's like the easiest thing to do. The ministry of just showing up Sunday mornings, September, October, and November. I can't wait to see what God will do. Amen.